Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good morning, everybody. I trust you all well. And um, basically, this is a continuation of a Bible study that we had on Wednesday. Um, so we, we can also contribute that if you guys would like that Bible study, but you don't need to have it in the context of what we're discussing. You know, most of us, some of us have a Bible study and we participate online just like we do right now. And we've been doing it for, for quite some time since lockdown, but we've been journeying through Matthew for the last year. Uh, Craig reminded us how long it's been. It's almost been over a year and we're only on chapter 13 and for me, I'm loving it and I can see others are also enjoying it. And it's good to go through the gospel of Matthew slowly, but but absorb the richness of the words that Matthew is communicating, Jesus's words and his description of his kingdom. And this has really, really impacted and challenged me personally, like Michael said. See, when you when you study closely Jesus and his words, there's a deepening yet still a questioning that happens. and and I'm beginning to have a deeper understanding of kingdom, but also still have more questions about it. Tanay accurately said this Wednesday, he, he said, I've discovered, yet I'm still discovering the kingdom. And I, I can't think of a better way to put that process, is that the more we discover of the kingdom, the more there is to discover. So Bible study this week was particularly impactful for me as we discussed a certain parable or a pair of parables, we discussed the hoard of the tre the hoard of treasure and the great pearl. So it's not a core scripture today, but I want to just read you read it to you quickly from the message, just to give you some context on where this journey for me this week in particular began. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46 from the message. You don't have to turn there just yet. I'll give you another parable which we'll turn to. But this parable starts with. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic, what a find, and proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Or God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. You see, through these parables, we discussed in this passage of scripture, we discussed how Jesus is revealing how we come to find the kingdom. And more importantly, our response in discovering the kingdom. Let me read you some words that, that hit me right between the eyes from N.T. Wright. He said, the gospel of the kingdom isn't a pleasant religious idea that you might like to explore sometime when you've got an hour or two to spare. It isn't like an attractive object in a museum that you might visit and look at admiringly the next time you're in the area. Rather, it's like a fabulous hoard of treasure, yours for the taking. If you sell everything else to buy the field where it's hidden, it's like the biggest, finest, purest pearl that any jeweler ever imagined. And it's yours for the taking. If you sell everything else, including all the other pearls you've ever owned in order to purchase it. That's such a beautiful way of expressing the discovery of the kingdom. But what has stayed with me this week is not only our initial response 
in discovering this life-altering kingdom. But more importantly, it's also our continual yielding to its rule and work in our lives that is truly important. You know, I ask questions, what happens to that initial wholehearted response over time? We can identify to a measure of finding the great hoard of treasure or that flawless pearl. But as time progresses, are we continually flawed by its vast richness of treasure and the purity of that pearl? Are we allowing the kingdom to progressively challenge us in and through a healthy tension of kingdom growth in our own hearts and, of course, its expansion from our hearts outwards in the lives that we live? Are we satisfied with this as a past experience where we look fondly back on with our kingdom encounter? And we remember it, but we find that it's only represented on a surface level, maybe, and, and on face value. See, this was the internal question that I, I questioned myself. And this internal wrestle and, and discussion with others led me to another parable in Matthew. And I believe this parable still holds true and relevant today. This is the parable of the two sons. And I want us to all turn there together. And read it. It's found in Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 to 32. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 to 32. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So no fancy commentary on this one, just straight up the parable. So Bible study people, we're jumping up, we're jumping ahead a bit. But it's good. So we're reading the parable of the two sons found in Matthew 21, verse 28 to 32. Let me read it to you as you follow in your own Bibles. I'll give you the context, but you should understand as soon as you read it. Jesus starts, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards, the son changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son, and he said the same. And the other son said, I go, sir but did not go. Jesus asks, which of the two did the will of the father? The Pharisees replied, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. Even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Now, of course, the context in which Jesus is addressing these Pharisees and providing this parable is to the Pharisees and their rejection of John the Baptist's ministry of repentance. We know John the Baptist's ministry was to turn the hearts of the sons to the father because he was there to prepare the way for Jesus's arrival and in place. And here he is right in front of the Pharisees. So the Pharisees rejected John the Baptist's ministry and they didn't prepare their hearts for Jesus' arrival, illustrating that the Pharisees themselves are satisfied only with keeping up appearances as sons. In comparison, the true change of heart and repentance of those they reviled, the Pharisees reviled and, and seen them as outcasts, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, who, who are also sons and daughters of Abraham, just like them. We see them being the first sons where they ask for forgiveness and repentance. And in G indeed, Jesus says they are the first to enter into the kingdom vineyard. 
what I, what I see in this parable is I hold this parable up to my own heart. And I, I treat it as a mirror and I ask, which son response am I giving to the father right now as he asks me to work in his vineyard? Now, we know full well that all of us have resembled each son response at some time or another in our lives. And truthfully, we most likely will continue to fluctuate between the two responses that these sons demonstrate. And even though Jesus' words here to the Pharisees are strong, they're decisive, they penetrate and reveal their hearts and our hearts today, we need to really see these words for what they are. They are words of mercy and compassion. Let me read you a quote from David McLemore. He says, Jesus didn't have to engage the Pharisees. He knew who they were, even if they couldn't see it themselves. But he engaged them anyway, because God's word of grace goes out to all. Anyone who represents can have God. Sorry, anyone who repents can have God. Jesus was giving them a chance to see themselves and to repent of their sin. I think we forget that. We always see Jesus having confrontations with the Pharisees. But if we read these words, we can see Jesus is giving them an opportunity to repent. They didn't respond to John the Baptist's message of repentance, but in his mercy and his compassion, he gives them another opportunity, just like he did with Judas before he was betrayed. You see, if the Pharisees repented and responded to Jesus' words here, they immediately changed from being the second son to being the first. Truly listening and responding to the call of the kingdom, not just pretending to. Do you see that if they repented then that moment, they would have become just like the first son. They would have become just like the tax collectors and the prostitutes that Jesus labels, and they would have been first into the kingdom of God. Alexander Fenter says, we need to constantly tend to the garden of our hearts. It's a process. We need to ask ourselves if we are truly listening to the Father's will and responding in love, obedience. And it's not just in the obvious things that others see, but it's in the small, insignificant things that others maybe don't see behind the scenes. It's in everything that we are to yield to him and his kingdom. Now, how do we ensure our heart remains in the soft, pliable state? For me, I believe it's by asking the tough questions like the ones we're asking ourselves and I'm asking myself today. Questions like, am I too comfortable in just being a son in the kingdom? Happy to know that me and my family, natural, natural family and spiritual family are just are safe and secure. That's good enough. What I want you to see in this parable is that initially both son responses were no. One was just honest and truthful about it up front. The first son, his no was, was honest with himself and importantly, honest with the father. You see, when we are honest with ourselves, we allow for a change of heart. We allow for repentance. First within ourselves, turning to the father. John the Baptist ministry was to turn the hearts of the sons to the father. If we are not honest about our heart state, there's no turning that's happening. We're resisting. We're being like the second son who on the outward appearance of things says, yes, sir. But on the inward heart does nothing. Nothing changes. His heart does not turn. You see, the second son above all was dishonest. 
when his actions did not match his words. Spurgeon says, the second son said, I go, sir, but he went not. And these people do not go. They talk of repenting, but they do not repent. They speak of believing, but they never believe. They think of submitting to God, but they have not submitted themselves to him yet. They say it's time they broke up the fallow ground and sought the Lord, but they did not seek him. It ends up, it all ends up in mere promise. Now, I, Ron's story was really a good metaphor of what we're talking about. The man was so quick to give him lip service about the tightrope and how he's an amazing and uh, amazing skills and artist. And we do the same with God. But we very rarely put ourselves in that vulnerable position of trust and putting our lives, not just in the initial kingdom experience. All of us here today, we've had that great hoard of treasure and pearl experience. But we all know it's in the middle of the tightrope that's important. It's are we in that wheelbarrow allowing Jesus to push us across that tightrope? That's the real truth of test of our hearts and trust. Jesus uses the second son to illustrate the Pharisees. Why? Well, N.T. Wright says they, they look as though they're doing God's will. They're right at the top there. They are the, the, the idols of doing God's will. They're worshiping in the temple. They're keeping up appearances. But they refuse to believe in John's message, not only about repentance, but also about the Messiah who is now standing right in front of them, unknown to them. Isn't that sad? First and foremost, I feel the Lord is calling me and the Lord always deals with me. And I just share that that heart wrestle and and what he's doing outwardly to others, because maybe they have the same experience as I do. So I believe the Lord is calling me and maybe the church as a whole in this time. And I believe he's calling us to reevaluate our heart position, just like he did with the Pharisees. With the motive of love, with the motive of mercy and compassion for us, not judgment. Jesus, he, he said he was not here to judge. It was not his time when he walked this earth for a position of judgment. And indeed, it hasn't happened yet. I think too much we worry about judgment in our in our relationship where even Jesus himself was not concerned with judgment yet. Rather, I feel the Lord is saying there is work to be done in my vineyard and that work is reserved for you to do as a son, not just re receive its fruit as a son. Sometimes I think we're comfortable in just in the knowledge of being sons, just like the Pharisees and knowing that we're going to eat of the fruit of the kingdom. But I believe the Lord is imploring us to co-labor with him in the kingdom vineyard and to do the work as sons and daughters. We should ask ourselves, which son response are we returning to the father? That is the core of what I'm sharing with you today is the question that I ask myself. Which son response are we continually returning to the father? And. And we need to be honest with ourselves and with the father. COVID has given us this opportunity. It's, it's gotten rid of the routine that we surrounded our, our Christian lives with. And that Sunday after Sunday routine. And of course, most of it was genuine. We, we enjoyed coming together. We enjoyed fellowship. We enjoyed praise and worship and receiving the word. But we have to also acknowledge that some of it became pretense. This is the case in my own heart. I was too comfortable in doing church week in and week out, which involved that pattern of worship message, some brief meet and greets and fellowship 
and we rinsed and we repeated. And because we rinsed and we repeated, we got used to the pattern of doing church. We're doing church, but are we doing kingdom vineyard work? Are we, are we as members of this wonderful relationship with Jesus and what we call Christianity, are we responsible for the familiar routines and what has turned into the facades of Christendom that the world has rejected? Are we happy with the appearance of things, just like the Pharisees, or are we prepared to get our hands dirty and dig deeper in the field the Father has called us to? These are internal questions we need to ask ourselves, like I am asking myself now. I've been surrounded and involved in church literally my whole life. From the time that I was born till the day you see in front of you, in some form or another, being a pastor's kid and being in church, it surrounded me. It almost defined who I, what my life embodied. Yet still, I'm yearning for more. I'm yearning for an increasing measure of what I'm learning about. As we study, as a Bible study, we're studying the Gospel of Matthew. I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm studying something that I want to live out in an increasing manner. I mean, the Gospel, if we read it with open eyes and ears, like Jesus says, there's such life there that he conveys. We just need to pay attention and we need to be honest with ourselves. Returning to N.T.'s rights that are the words that I quoted in the beginning. So many see the gospel kingdom as a pleasant religious idea that they might like to explore when they have some spare time. They treat they treat our, our relationship with the father like an attractive object in a museum that they might visit from time to time if and when they're in the area. I was this person. And sometimes I, I still am. See, the first son is comfortable with the kingdom. He's not confronted by it. I heard Sunday sermon after Sunday sermon urging me to respond. Sometimes I did. And sometimes I didn't. And when I did, that heart response sometimes waned over time as I worked in another man's field, more concerned with the, that man's cares. And it's a reality for most of you. It's reality for me, so of course it's a reality for all of us. You work in other men's fields. Your lives are, are, are patterned after the employment of those organizations and people that you serve under. You do take their cares. The Bible says we should. We should be good stewards as, as if we're serving unto Jesus. But we must be careful that that's not where we remain. Our true work is in the vineyard as sons. You know, this message that I'm sharing today could be the very well just the same pattern that I've experienced that we hear a message our hearts get uh, convicted and we repent for a moment but you know what is truly encouraging this is, is an encouraging message is that both first and second sons are both sons in the house and they remain sons in the house irrespective of their heart response they are both sons we are either initially or continually resistant to the Father's will, but he still calls us sons and daughters, even though our actions show our heart position is misaligned from his will. And it's out of the Father's mercy and compassion, he calls us and he keeps calling us to work in his vineyard. That is the beauty of this parable. It is the Father's heart in response. He still sees us as sons and daughters, irrespective of if we if we are hesitant in the beginning or we are hesitant throughout. It's like 
every unbeliever in the world today, the Father is still calling them. He's still, the work of Jesus on the cross is still for them and will continue till the end of the age. It's his love and his mercy that bursts forth. And we shouldn't see it as a judgment. We should see it as a love opportunity to engage with him. And he is sad when we when people walk away from him like the rich young ruler. He is sad when they don't engage with him fully as he is engaging with them. Jesus was calling the Pharisees to work in his vineyard, even though their hearts were hard and dull. He calls them to repent out of love and compassion for them. And just like the Pharisees, we could become, we can become, we can become like the, the first sons by being honest with ourselves and honest with the father instantly. We can transition from the second son to the first in an instant. Because guess what? Jesus can work with honesty. That's, that's what he works with. He works with an honesty internally with ourselves and an honesty with him. Even Jesus can work with an honest no. I, I am fruit of that, that I am resistant. I'm not always easily accepting of things. But, but if I'm honest to the Father and I give him an honest no, he can work with that. But what he can't work with is pretense and pride. He resists the proud. If we present a false yes, like the second son on the outside, too concerned of what others think, the perception of, of what they think of us. That is when the father can't deal with us because we're not really dealing with ourselves. Jesus can only work with those that are willing to be worked with. Jesus longs for truth and he, he longs for humility. I, I believe this is the case. He wants honesty. The, the rich young ruler, I believe if he was honest with Jesus in that moment and Jesus, it's too hard right now. I'm willing to be made willing. I believe Jesus would have helped him in that 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 impediment that he had of of entering into the kingdom. The truth is, as believers, we're not just sons in the house, but we are sons that have been asked and called to work in the father's vineyard. We have a purpose. We have a position. The vineyard is not reserved just for the traditional ministry positions. It's not just for, for those that are on staff here. This is the beauty of the kingdom. You read the, the Bible, you read the Gospels, you see in Acts, these are everyday people that are living out and, and extending the kingdom that Jesus has established. Everywhere where you find yourselves, every one of you, where you are, the, where you spend your day-to-day, -day, your work, your school life, and in your family, are your yes sir moments honest? Are, are our responses truthful? Are, own, are, are our heart actions being transparent before ourselves and the Father? The Father knows. He knows where we are. When he calls Adam in the garden, and Adam means humanity, we always say that he knows where Adam was. And it's basically God was asking Humanity, where is your heart? It has left me. Humanity, where are you? And, and just like Adam and Eve, we, we, we like to cover up. We like to project things that are not necessary. We're too vulnerable. We, we don't want to show signs of weakness or, or humility, and we, we rather cover ourselves up. Let's take this, this technology that we're using for an example. These Zoom go-to meetings and video calls that now almost define our lives and our work in our church life it's a wonderful blessing that we are able to have this facility to have meetings and to continue church even in lockdown but what i've discovered in, especially in my own life is that they can also be a curse 
Why? Because they can perpetuate and even exacerbate the second son syndrome. It can be very passive way of experiencing church, even more so than the traditional church that Jesus is challenging, where we present ourselves as being here online in a little square, but we struggle, we struggle to fully engage for, for various reasons, whether they good ones or not, we struggle to engage. It's, it's just like our physical bodies, our hearts remain too comfortable as the first son. We are too comfortable in just staying the way, where we are in our position. And we're not challenging ourselves and being honest with ourselves to work in that vineyard. It's a true battle. And like I said, it's a struggle for me too, especially for me. But what I'm discovering is that Sundays are not primarily the moments the Father looks and calls us to engage in. Rather, it's the day-to-day, -day, the heart-to-heart -heart moments he calls us and wants to work with us. The initial kingdom discovery is a beautiful moment in our lives. It's like a fabulous hoard of treasure, like the biggest, finest, purest pearl. It's yours for the taking if you give yourself wholly and completely to it. But it's not, it's not a once-off event. It's not when we discover it, everything's going to work itself out. No, we have to wrestle with it. It's just the beginning when we discover that. This life-altering discovery of the kingdom is made a reality in our day-to-day -day response in finding and living it. If we continue to give ourselves to it, the kingdom will change us deeply and completely from the inside out. The parable of the sower, another parable in Matthew, Another one that we're all, all too familiar with, for me, doesn't just speak of Sunday morning reception of the sermon, but rather an ongoing heart reception of the continual kingdom message of the gospel. We need to constantly cultivate our hearts. It's not a once-off process. We need to ensure that it's in a fertile state for kingdom growth. We need to constantly weed out kingdom contrasting cares that spring up. We need to continually chip away at the hardness that forms due to a lack of spirit nourishment. The spirit is water and it nourishes our hearts and it makes it soft and pliable. But when we don't spend that time, our hearts continually get harder and we need to, we need to invite the spirit to soften our hearts. We need to continually chase away the enemy birds that, that the enemy's birds that long to steal our joy in discovering the kingdom. Folks, the enemy will do whatever he can to steal that joy. And if we allow it to remain on the surface and obvious for him just to take it, he will. And I think we allow the enemy to just come in like a bird, swoop in and steal it without a, without a fight or a struggle. If the seed was in the soil, the bird couldn't get it. If the seed was being dug in and planted, the bird wouldn't get it. But our hearts allow the seed just to fall on the surface and stay there for a brief moment and allow the enemy to come with the first confrontation, the first offense and, and take it. It's our work to make sure that seed of the kingdom sinks into our hearts. In my grapple and deepening tension of the week of understanding kingdom, I realized that the kingdom is birthed and lived out from the hearts of men. Like a seed, Christ was planted in our hearts, but it's up to us to cultivate its growth. It's up to us to continually work with, him, with Christ as, as a, as a co-laborer. He causes the kingdom to spring forth in us, always from the inside and then and then outwardly. 
the kingdom overtakes us internally and it bursts out to the external physical world we live in and the relationships that we share. Think of Jesus in, his, in, in who he was and the person and the humanity that he was. He allowed the kingdom to fully consume his heart to the point that it burst out and touched others around him. And eventually all of humanity to this day are still experiencing this kingdom bursting out of Christ. I have begun to see Jesus's words and the words that we're familiar as believers and disciples of pick up your cross and follow me in a completely new light this week. Jesus's words here were in the context of him telling his disciples that, that he was telling them in an increasing time and tone and manner that listen the cross, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die for you and for humanity. But then Peter responds and he pleads with Jesus and he says, spare yourself, avoid the cross, avoid this pain. Now I want you to see a different way of looking at this passage of scripture when you read it. You can almost feel Jesus's own internal heart wrestle and then submission in the words he shares with his disciples. I don't just want you to hear these words of Jesus speaking to us today and his disciples, which he's doing, imploring us to, to carry our cross, but see it first where in his own heart, how he himself had to live this out. And in these moments when he rebukes Peter, because Peter's giving him a way out, he's giving him a, a, a second son response where that is too difficult, that is too hard, I'm just going to stay where I am. Let's read it. I'll read it to you from Matthew chapter 16 from the Passion Translation. Matthew 16, verse 22 to 25. Peter took him aside to correct him privately. He reprimanded Jesus over and over, saying to him, God forbid, Master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get out of my way, you Satan. You are an offense to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not with the ways of God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross experience as your own, and you will continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. See, what I've learned is Jesus is not just urging them to follow his instruction, but rather he's urging them to follow the example he's living right in front of them at that very moment. Jesus has rejected and disowned his own life, even to his, his, his demise. The words of Peter he's dealt with and he's dealing with in the words back to his disciples. He said, it's not about what, how I want, how I feel comfortable. And we're talking about a painful, brutal torture way of dying here. We're not talking about what we Westerners like comfort and ease. We're talking about a difficult way to go on. But you see, Jesus lived the truth that continual self-sacrifice is the only way to experience the ongoing intimacy with the Father. We see, we see pockets of Jesus wrestling with this. We see the wilderness when Satan comes to to tempt him. This, I believe, is another temptation, and that's why he retreats it exactly the same way. He says, get behind me, Satan. And then we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, another difficult moment in Jesus's heart wrestle with submitting to the Father's will. 
But this, I believe, is the way that Jesus illustrates how we are truly to be human. In the day-to-day, -day, in the wrestle, in the, acknowledging, in the acknowledgement of the internal wrestle. But to stop holding on to that wrestle, to stop pretending, to give it over to the Father. This is painful, but it is necessary. We need to continually surrender, continually to choose self-sacrifice. We need to continually have those Garden of Gethsemane moments with the Father if we need to. In the garden, Jesus held nothing back from the Father. He was completely honest and vulnerable. He was pouring out his internal anguish. When we, can, we have a privileged experience of reading that, we get an insight into Jesus' internal anguish. But through Jesus' humility and his openness, his Father comforts him and strengthens him to do what was necessary. Jesus submits his will to the Father because he's open and he's honest. He doesn't try and pretend. And then in that honesty and humility, he submits it to the Father. And the Father brings him comfort, I believe, and does strengthen him for what he needed to do. Church, the Father longs for intimacy. But intimacy is only possible when we are completely honest, vulnerable, and open. For, importantly, with ourselves to start with. Now, I know this message can hit hard because it's hitting my own heart hard in, in when, I, when I prepared and am sharing with you today. But it's a message that the Lord is challenging my own heart with, asking which res heart response am I returning to the Father? And I just wanted to share that with, with you all because I believe the Lord is, is saying that to many of us in, in these days that we are living in. So I'm, I'm sure you were challenged along with me and but i know that we will experience the comfort of the strength of the father when we engage with him wholeheartedly holding nothing back you know we always say david was a man after god's own heart when i read the psalms i see a heart that is open raw and vulnerable he most psalms he starts off venting he's honest with the lord about how the enemies are coming to slay him and, and lord please just take it out of my enemies and but his heart state never changes there. You see, what I'm learning is that when we are honest with ourselves in our communication with the Father, he then allows that heart-to-heart -heart connection, and he then gives us this life and this comfort and the strength that we can go on and endure. This message calls for an internal and private conversation. So I'm not necessarily expecting discussions or comments today, because it's something we all need to take privately and think about privately and honest with ourselves, first of all, and then with the Father. So what I'd like to do in closing is I'd like to pray, and I would like to ask the Lord to speak to us internally this morning and speak directly to us, because he does want that heart-to-heart -heart engagement. So thank you for listening, but let, let's close our eyes for a moment, and, and let's just listen. You know, what, what we experienced on Wednesday was truly remarkable for me. We experience the move of the Spirit even through technology. See, the beauty is the Spirit lives within each side of us. The recreated human spirit is alive to God and He can speak to us no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. And I'm, I'm asking that He does so this morning. But I know what He, he can only work is when we are honest and open with Him. So I, I, I'm going to pray and I'm going to implore you to open your heart to the Spirit's working today. To allow Him to minister to you in the ways that he wants to speak to you. He will share things that only you know. 
He will remind you of moments in your journey that only you remember. And through those moments, he will ask you to truly connect with him and be vulnerable with him. No matter what your day to day is surrounded by, even in this different lifestyle that we lead. So let's close our eyes in prayer and, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to work in us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we are truly privileged to be called sons and daughters of your kingdom. Lord, that we are in a new rule, Lord. We are under a new rule and a new authority, Lord. We are not belonging to this world that is dictated by a fallen state, Lord, but we are recreated human spirits in, united with you and your spirit, Lord Jesus. But Lord, we don't just want to be comfortable. We don't just want to have life and to have it more abundantly in this physical life. We want to have it abundantly in the spirit. We want to be feeling that as we're working in wherever we are, that we are working with the kingdom. We're working in your kingdom, Lord, to extend and establish your will, Father. Lord, that when we pray the Father's prayer of, Lord, let your, let you, your will be done in my life as, as it is in the Bible that I read. Lord, that is my heart's cry, Lord, and I'm sure many people's hearts cry as we, as we come together on a Sunday that we're, just, we're not satisfied in the day-to-day. We are not satisfied in the pretense of Christendom that the world judges so easily. Lord, we want a deep, heart, meaningful relationship with you. And Lord, we know that resides in us. That decision is resides in our heart. But Lord, we pray, help us. Help us to be made willing, Lord. Work with our hearts as we honestly give you our state. And Lord, we say, I'm not willing at this stage, Lord, but help me to be made willing that you meet us halfway, that you there with your hand, you reach out to us, you grab us, Lord, in those moments, and you give us that strength, that strength and that comfort to take those walks out the boat and walk on the water. Lord, we pray that we may learn to trust you in an increasing manner in our day-to-day lives, Lord, that no matter what our surroundings are like, Lord, that we can open our hearts to your spirit and allow us to be used not only for our benefit, but more importantly for your kingdom, for all those people that are hurting out there, for all those hungry in spirit and in physical life, Lord, all those people that are hurting in physical and in spirit life, for all those people that need your love in the physicality world, Lord, and in your spirit, Lord. We want to be co-laborers with you in your vineyard. Lord, help us with a heart response as we are open and honest with you. Allow your spirit to nourish our hearts, to soften our hearts, and to prepare the soil that we can then allow your kingdom to burst forth in us and therefore through us. So we thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we just pray that we may meditate on it this week, Lord. We may read the gospel with fresh eyes. We may discover this kingdom again like a flawless pearl in a great hoard of treasure because we've forgotten we haven't visited that field for very long. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, and we ask that your spirit work within us continually as we work continually with your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.